Lenin, the party of a new type. Selected readings from the history of the three internationals by William Z. Foster. Chapter 20. Lenin, the party of a new type. By the turn of the 20th century, the historic trend of the Second International was definitely away from Marxism and towards right opportunism. The major parties comprised in the International were increasingly falling victim to petty bourgeois illusions bred by quote-unquote prosperity of the upswing period of imperialism in their respective countries. True, the right wing was defeated in the Amsterdam Congress of 1904, and during the next few years, it was also to suffer many other formal defeats, especially in the German party, the eventual stronghold of revisionism. Yet the right wing generally tended to become stronger and, with its revisionist program, to get more and more entrenched in the leadership of the several socialist parties. Moreover, the developing and vacillating center group was proving steadily less capable of resisting the advancing right and was tending constantly to surrender to it. As for the weak left wing in most of Europe, it was generally confused, immature, and quite unable to overcome the process of political degeneration that was gradually engulfing the international. Powerful opposition from the left nevertheless was developing against the stifling revisionism of the Second International, and by 1904, it was already well marked. Its center was in Russia, an industrially backward country that had hitherto played only a small role in the international, and its leader was Lenin, who was generally but little known at the time in world labor circles. The Russian Social Democratic Workers' Party could and did come forth as the leading Marxist anti-revisionist force in the Second International. This occurred basically because, whereas in the Western capitalist countries, the socialist revolution seemed vague and far off. In Russia, as the follow-up of the impending bourgeois revolution, it was obviously knocking at the door and imperatively demanding basic attention. The new revolutionary program, developed chiefly by Lenin, was Bolshevism, or as it came to be later known, Marxism-Leninism. Leninism, says Stalin, is the Marxism of the epoch of imperialism and the proletarian revolution. Marxism-Leninism was the product of developing world imperialism and the Russian Revolution. Its natural point of origin was Tsarist Russia, where the contradictions of imperialism were the sharpest, and where the proletarian revolution was rapidly brewing. The great significance of Lenin is that with his brilliant intellect and indomitable revolutionary spirit, he was able to interpret theoretically the basic economic and political currents of the imperialist period and to translate them into successful revolutionary action. End section. Section title, Lenin and his work. Lenin was born on April 22, 1870, in Simbirsk, Russia. 
His father, by birth a peasant, had become a schoolteacher, and his mother was also of modest origin. His older brother, Alexander, one of the most active organizers of Narodnaya Volya, People's Will, a terrorist organization, was hanged by the Tsar's government in 1887. The same year, Lenin entered the Kazan University, the universities in St. Petersburg and Moscow being barred against him as the brother of an executed revolutionary. He at once became active in the university's revolutionary student movement and got expelled one month after his entry. He finally managed, however, chiefly on the basis of self-study, to get a degree in law from St. Petersburg, but he never practiced the profession. He participated vigorously in the workers' revolutionary movement, for which in 1897 he was banished to Siberia for three years. Thereafter, except for a short while during the time of the revolution of 1905, he lived abroad until early in 1917. Like Marx and Engels, Lenin was a man both of theory and action. Not only did he resurrect the main theories of Marx, which the revisionists thought they had safely buried forever, but he also developed Marxism further to embrace the many problems generated by the period of imperialism in all countries. All his adult life, Lenin was an active participant in the concrete struggles of the workers. The synthesis of his immense theoretical and practical work was his triumphant leadership of the workers and peasants in the Great Russian Revolution of November 1917. Lenin, who collided with the revisionists on all major points, especially attacked their fundamentally wrong analysis of imperialism. The revisionists saw in the phenomena of expanding imperialism the softening of class antagonisms, the necessity of class collaboration, the transformation of the state into an organism standing apart from classes, the increase of capitalist stability, the development of quote-unquote organized capitalism, and generally the ending of the period of revolution and the opening up of opportunities for the workers to make a gradual and peaceful advance to socialism. They considered the works of Marx and Engels obsolete as applying only to the earlier competitive stage of capitalism. Lenin, on the other hand, saw in imperialism the intensification of class and national antagonisms, the beginning of the decline of capitalism, the opening of a new era of great wars and revolutions. He defended the writings of Marx and Engels as having full validity in this period, and he made them the basis of all his further analysis and revolutionary activity. End section. Section title, The Building of a Revolutionary Program. On this basis, Lenin, in practice, and in his many great writings, proceeded to re-establish the whole body of Marxian theory, which the revisionist heads of the Second International had long since discarded. 
As against the revisionist acceptance of bourgeois democracy and of the bourgeois state, Lenin demonstrated with crushing force that the capitalist state was an organ of the capitalist class for the repression of the working class, and that the workers, in order to emancipate themselves, would have to destroy it and to construct a new regime. He further demonstrated in theory, as well as by the practice of the Paris Commune, and finally by the Russian Revolution itself, that the form of social organization the victorious workers would set up after the abolition of capitalism would be none other than the dictatorship of the proletariat, so brilliantly foreseen by Marx and Engels. On the solid foundation of Marxist principles, Lenin also widely developed proletarian revolutionary strategy and tactics for the period of imperialism, and he directly cultivated the Marxist forces in many countries. Among the basic propositions worked out by him were the following. The leading role of the proletariat in all present-day revolutions, bourgeois or socialist. The alliance between the workers and the peasantry, and between the workers in the imperialist countries and the peoples in the colonial lands. The class differentiation in the villages. The question of self-determination for oppressed peoples. The relationship between immediate demands and the fight for socialism. The role of the trade unions and their relationship to the party. The law and techniques of proletarian insurrection. The general structure upon which socialism will be built. The possibility of the establishment of socialism in one country. The growing over of the bourgeois revolution into the proletarian revolution. And many more. All this was in fundamental contrast to the current right-wing policies of tailing the working class after the bourgeoisie, casting off the peasantry as a reactionary mass, having contempt for self-determination and the struggles of the colonial peoples, concentrating solely upon immediate demands and their general failure to consider or to fight for socialism. One of Lenin's greatest accomplishments was to theorize and construct the Communist Party itself, without which all talk of working-class emancipation and socialism would be vain chatter. In opposition to the bourgeois conceptions of the right wing for an amorphous party without a real program, including all sorts of trimmers and opportunists and bereft of discipline, Lenin built a party on the basis of the principles laid down by Marx and Engels, that is, as the vanguard of the proletariat. Lenin's is a party of revolutionists based on the working class and its allies, made up of the best fighters and most devoted workers in the labor movement, the various people's organizations, cooperatives, etc., self-critical and with a highly developed Marxist ideology, a party which in every respect, on the battlefields, in the workshops, on the farms, in the colleges, and in the legislative halls, truly stands at the head of the working class and the whole nation. The Communist Party, as conceived and forged by the great Lenin, is the most highly developed type of political organization ever produced by humankind, an indispensability for achieving socialism. 
With his great political and organizational program, Lenin laid down the science of revolutionary struggle for the period of imperialism, and he therewith provided the theoretical basis for the later revolutions in Russia, China, Czechoslovakia, Poland, Hungary, Bulgaria, East Germany, Romania, Albania, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia, Indochina, Korea, and many others that are still to come. By the time of the outbreak of the Russian Revolution in 1905, Lenin had already worked out most of the main essentials of his revolutionary program, which constituted the basic challenge to the revisionism that was becoming increasingly dominant in the Second International. End section. Section title, Early Development of the Party in Russia. The first organized Marxist force in Russia was the Emancipation of Labor Group, formed in 1883 by G. V. Plakhanov, together with Martov, Paul Axelrod, Vera Zasulich, and Leo Deutsch. Plakhanov, born in 1856 and died in 1918, was formerly a Narodnik, or populist, but became a Marxist, and in his early years, he was one of the most brilliant Marxist theorists in the whole Second International. His eventual general orientation, however, was away from Marxism, through centrism, to revisionism. Lenin, arriving in St. Petersburg in 1893, became active in the Marxist ranks, organizing there the League of Struggle for the Emancipation of the Working Class. Lenin's group took a militant part in the growing strike movement and in further clarifying the line of the Russian Marxists, thus preparing the way for the foundation of a national Marxist political organization. As a Marxist party must, the party in Tsarist Russia grew in struggle, not only against the employers and the reactionary landlords, but also against the various alien political tendencies arising among the working class and its allies. The first ideological enemy that it had to overcome was Narodnism, or populism. The Narodniks, while vaguely advancing a socialist perspective, erroneously held that the principal revolutionary force was not the working class, but the peasantry, and that the rule of the czars and the landlords could be overthrown by peasant revolts alone. The Narodniks belittled the future development of capitalism and the proletariat in Russia. Plekhanov, and later Lenin, waged a brilliant polemic against the petty bourgeois Narodniks. They pointed out the rapid capitalist development that was already taking place in Russia, and they demonstrated the factors making for its continued growth. They proved the proletariat to be the leading revolutionary class, and argued for a program of organized political action on the basis of the working class. They condemned the Narodniks, People's Will Group, advocacy of individual terrorism. The general result of this historic ideological warfare was to establish the hegemony of Marxism in the ranks of the working class. The Narodniks, however, retained their strength among the peasantry, and later, as socialist revolutionaries, they were to play a very important part in the oncoming revolution. After the arrest of Lenin, and in the midst of the developing trade union struggle, 
specifically in 1899, a new deviating group appeared in the ranks of the Russian workers. These were the so-called economists. They declared that the workers should be called upon to wage only an economic struggle against their employers. As for the political struggle, that was the affair of the liberal bourgeoisie, to whom the leadership of the political struggle was left. They were the first group of compromisers and opportunists within the ranks of the Marxist organizations in Russia. Lenin identified this opportunist group with the Bernstein revisionists, and after his return in 1900 from Siberia with sledgehammer blows, he routed it. During this historic controversy, Lenin, in his book What is to be Done, composed the most profound analysis of trade unionism ever written. Still another major deviation within Russian Marxist ranks in these crucial formative years was that of the quote-unquote legal Marxists, led by Peter Struve and others. This group cut out the very core of Marxism, namely the doctrine of the proletarian revolution and the dictatorship of the proletariat. They strove to subordinate and adapt the working class movement to the interests of bourgeois society to the interests of the bourgeoisie. Relentlessly, Lenin tore into this petty bourgeois tendency and broke up its following, such as it was, among the workers. The legal Marxists, what was left of them, eventually went over outright to the Octoberists and Constitutional Democrats, the main parties of the capitalists in the 1917 revolution. During these intense and profound ideological struggles, Lenin quickly came forward as the main spokesperson of Russian Marxism, early outstripping the former leader, Plekhanov. It was then, too, that Lenin wrote several of his famous books and pamphlets, laying the foundations of communism in Russia, including Development of Capitalism in Russia, What the Friends of the People Are and How to Fight Against the Social Democrats, What is to be Done, and the Tasks of the Russian Social Democrats. The first attempt to establish the party on a national scale took place in 1898, while Lenin was in Siberian exile. Nine Marxists met in Minsk in March of that year and set up the Russian Social Democratic Labor Party at an underground convention. In the face of the existing czarist terrorism, however, the effort did not prosper. Immediately after the convention, the Central Committee members were all arrested. The new organization, with no concrete program or constitution, and with but few members, did not succeed in establishing the definite bonds among the widely scattered Marxist groups. The party did not actually get established until five years later. End section. Section title, The Birth of Bolshevism. London, 1903. The London Convention which founded the party met in the midst of a rising wave of mass struggle in Russia. There was an industrial crisis which largely crippled the industries between 1901 and 1903, and there were big strikes in many parts of the country. These strikes, constantly becoming broader and more revolutionary in tone, were met with brutal violence from the Tsar's government. 
during 1902, the movement spread to the peasants, and they set fire to the landlord's mansions and seized their lands. Students also became involved, and militant demonstrations took place in many universities. Russia was building up to the revolution of 1905. Lenin laid solid preparations for the construction of the party in London. He led in the establishment of the journal, Iskra. He published his famous book, What is to be Done? And he led a broad educational campaign among the various Marxist groups. Already in this preliminary work, Lenin gave a clear picture of the disciplined, vanguard party that was to be built. The Congress opened on July 30, 1903, in Brussels, but owing to police persecution, it had to be moved to London. There were 43 delegates representing 26 organizations. The Iskraists had some 24 solid supporters. Lenin, Plekhanov, Martov, Axelrod, Zasulich, and Trotsky were present. Stalin was not there, being in Siberian exile. The opposition opposed the introduction into the program of the dictatorship of the proletariat, which no other party in the Second International specifically endorsed. They also opposed including the right of self-determination and the formulation of demands for the peasantry. The program had both minimum, immediate, and maximum, ultimate demands. Lenin, with the cooperation of Plekhanov, beat back the opposition and the revolutionary Iskra program was adopted. The central fight took place over the party constitution. Around this organizational question, the two opposing political currents in the convention took shape. Lenin's plan, supported then by Plekhanov, provided that one, quote, could be a member of the party who accepted its program, supported it financially, and belonged to one of its basic organizations, end quote. Whereas Martov, supported among others by Trotsky, wanted a broad, amorphous organization. To be a member, all one needed was to accept the program and support the party financially. Actual membership and activity not being necessary. The difference was that Lenin wanted a fighting, revolutionary party, a strong vanguard party, whereas the opposition strove for a loose, undisciplined organization on the opportunist social democratic model of the West. Lenin could not make his conception fully prevail at the Congress, but when it came to the election of a central committee and editors for the Iskra, Lenin's group prevailed. It was in this vote in the elections that the two factions acquired their historic names of Bolsheviks, majority, and Mensheviks, minority. After the convention, the factional fight became intense, and by January 1905, the party was split, each group having its own central body and press. During this struggle, Lenin produced his famous book on the party program and organization, One Step Forward, Two Steps Back. He led the Bolsheviks, while Martov, with increasing help from Plekhanov and Trotsky, led the Mensheviks. 
End section. Section title. The International Intervenes. In line with the decision of the Second International at Amsterdam in 1904, that only one party from each country could be affiliated, the International Socialist Bureau intervened in the Russian party split with the avowed aim of establishing unity. In February 1905, a proposition was adopted in the International Socialist Bureau to set up an arbitration committee headed by Bebel to consider the Russian situation. This amounted to letting the German party settle the Russian factional fight. The Mensheviks accepted the proposal and nominated Kotsky and Klara Zetkin as their representatives. Lenin, however, refused to agree, stating that the issue was a matter of principle and therefore a question for a party congress rather than for an arbitration committee to dispose of. This whole incident was important chiefly as showing how little Lenin's position was understood or accepted by the quote-unquote left, Bebel, Kotsky, and others, in the international at this time. In Die Neue Zeit, the chief weekly of the German social democracy, Rosa Luxemburg wrote unsympathetically of Lenin's group, and Kotsky, the editor of the paper, refused to publish Lenin's side of the controversy. Protesting against such treatment, Lenin declared that Luxembourg's article, quote, extolled disorganization and treachery, end quote, and condemned Kotsky's action as, quote, an attempt to muffle our voice in the German social democratic press by such an unheard of, rude, and mechanical device as the boycott of the pamphlet, end quote. Quote, Kotsky declared that if he had been present at the Second Congress in London in 1903, he would have voted for Martov against Lenin. End quote. The development of the revolution in Russia brought the futile party unity negotiations to an end. The International had no inkling of the tremendous political significance of the crystallization of the Bolshevik movement in Russia. Lenin's party of the new type meant the shaping of a strong turn, away from the opportunist infected parties of the West, which were increasingly forgetting the principles and perspectives of Marx, and toward the beginning of a truly revolutionary party, based firmly upon the elementary principles laid down in the Communist Manifesto. This was, in fact, the seed corn of a new and better international, which the revolutionary course of events eventually was to bring to fruition. The victory of Lenin's group in Russian Marxist circles was, with the years, to have profound effects, not only within the Second International, but throughout the entire world. Thank you for listening to this reading from the People's School of Marxist-Leninist Studies. Support us at newoutlookpublishers.net, join us on Discord, follow us on Twitter, and visit peopleschool.org to sign up for free classes. 